Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. We're on a mission to explore, and this week we explored micro-adventures. Alistair Humphreys is a professional adventurer who came up with the term micro-adventure for explorations that are close to home, cheap, yet still challenging. And he has this, this to say, quote, I believe that adventure is about stretching yourself mentally, physically, or culturally. It is about doing what you do not normally do, pushing yourself hard and doing it to the best of your ability. Adventure is all around us at all times. Adventure is accessible to normal people in normal places in short segments of time and without having to spend much money. So let's dive right in to our in talking about our micro adventures, but just a reminder that if the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is mango. Mango. <laughs> First up on her soapbox is Sarah. Well, hello. So anyway, Bill, my husband and I, we really embrace the micro adventure concept. While we do have grand adventures to faraway places like St. Croix, we love planning weekend trips with a fun event planned somewhere along the way. I consider those trips to be really exactly what Alistair Humphreys has called his micro-adventures. They're usually not expensive, usually only a couple of hours away, and we're always looking for a new experience or racking up our minor league baseball game count. For a previous episode, I even did a little backyard camping, which is an absolutely fun adventure. So what micro-adventures did we choose for this challenge? We actually did a couple of them. One Saturday, a couple of weeks ago, Bill came home from work and out of the blue, suggested a little afternoon road trip to LaGrange, Kentucky. Sounded great, so we did it. LaGrange isn't too far away, but we took our little convertible and took back roads only. We love that you can program it into ways and we do it a lot. When we got there, we wandered around and found a place for dinner, ate and took the back roads home again. The best micro adventure ever, a totally spontaneous one. This past weekend, we went on another micro-adventure. This one was a little bit more planned. Bill and his sister, Lisa, have birthdays just a few days apart, so every year we plan a birthday road trip. In past years, we went on motorcycles, but this year, Bill and I were in the convertible again. Each final stop for the day was only an hour or two away, but once again, we took back roads to get there, and we also made a few stops along the way. It's fun to find random, strange, but interesting things to look at and take a zillion pictures of. This trip, this trip, we went in search of the pink martini drinking elephant in Fortville, Indiana. I mean, who doesn't need to see that, right? It stands on a trailer permanently located in the parking lot of a liquor store, obviously. We even brought shot glasses to toast with as we took our many pictures. We then headed to Franklin, Indiana and looked for the gravesite of Nancy Barrett, she was buried in a cemetery there in 1831. She had asked to be buried overlooking Sugar Creek, so that's what her family did. Then, in the early 1900s, the county wanted to build a road right through the cemetery, and Nancy's family fought to keep her remains in the original spot. The battle went on so long that eventually the county just split the road around her grave site. So, of course, we stopped at that spot and took some pictures. I mean, some pretty cool things to see, right? That wasn't all that we did on the weekend road trip, but I'll stop there. Uh, but I'll end by saying that I loved this challenge. The examples of micro adventures that we read about have given Bill and I some more great ideas for weekends to come, and we actually have more planned already. What was your micro adventure, Jess? 
Well, when we got this challenge, my full intention was to do another adventure challenge because it's been a while since Ben and I have done that. And all the ones that we've done have been so much fun. But we ended up wanting to just go a little more low key because we'd had a really busy past few weekends and we wanted to do something islandy, quote unquote. So we decided to head up to the North Shore. We don't go to the North Shore very often and we don't really often eat up there because let's face it, we're creatures of habit. And so we decided to try a different place to eat that we had never been. We went to Ono Char Burger. It was very yummy and complete with a couple of kitty cats wandering around outside, which, you know, Ben and I are cat people, so that was fun. And then we went up to the North Shore for a sunset. We went to Hanalei Bay, which is Ben's favorite beach, but we've honestly never seen a sunset on the North Shore, so that was a really cool experience. We did have a little mini adventure last week too when we decided to take a walk. And this was before we were having our planned micro adventure where we took a walk and we ended up going to a place we had never been before and finding a little lighthouse, which was a lot of fun. And we were only gonna take a short walk and ended up being two miles. I was wearing sandals, so I had blisters, but it was still fun. <laughs> but I decided that I still want to do an adventure challenge and pick one at random. So maybe when I decide to do that, I'll send you girls a message to tell you to pick a number for me so we can uh, make it a random micro adventure. But until then, I'm just going to have spontaneous micro adventures. And I think it's something that we're going to have to continue doing once a week because it was a lot of fun. So, Mer, what was your micro adventure? For my micro adventure, I spent the day with Mark and his boys. It started off by making breakfast together. So I got up early, went to Kroger, picked out this loaf of uh, croissant bread, which if you've never had, it made the most amazing French toast. There you go. Private selection if you're a Kroger customer. Anyway, I was brewing the coffee and savoring the smell of the beans. And it occurred to me that I can have adventures every day as long as I'm in the correct frame of mind. And I really wanted to be present, but I also wanted to take lots of pictures because it's not something that I'm good at remembering to do. So after that late breakfast, we piled into the car and headed to Allwood Audubon, which is a working farm and nature preserve near Dayton, Ohio. And since I live in Cincinnati, this was an easy one hour drive north and we got to listen to a couple episodes of the Criminal Podcast on the way. Allwood Audubon has some trails you can hike and some and, and hidden amongst those trails is an art installation created by a dude named Thomas Dambo. And he is an artist out of Denmark. He brings the gi these gigantic trolls to life all over the world. The installation in Dayton, I think in the article I read, I think it was the eighth in the USA. He has a map of his trolls on his website, so I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show description. But these trolls were so cool. They were quite detailed and made mostly of wood. I did see that they were assembled using some metal screws, um, but they are there until the wood breaks down and the troll returns to the earth. They're expected to last about five years, and on his map, Dambo has little grave markers in place for the trolls that are no more. As a fun little bonus, Allwood Audubon currently has six fairy houses hidden amongst a short loop near the nature center. And I love fairies. 
It's something my mom and I both loved, so fairies and fairy houses always conjure up fond memories of my mom. And after the hike, we stopped at Rip Rap Shake Shack. <laughs> That's just a fun thing to say. I had a peanut butter shake made with chocolate ice cream, and then we headed home. The whole trip took about six hours, and we had a great time. TC, tell us about your micro-adventure. Well, I feel like my life is a series of micro-adventures. Um, so we had planned one in particular, and for that micro-adventure, we were going to explore a beach that we've never been to. It's a beach that we can both see on our way to work every single day, and it looks like you can walk really far out into the water. So we were really curious what the beach is like, and we think we found the road. We thought we found the road to get to that beach. On Saturday morning, we decided to go diving. And as we're headed out toward Frederick said to dive the Frederick said pier, which is a micro adventure, um, there was a fruit stand on the side of the road and it had a bunch of uh, local watermelons and you can tell that they're local watermelons because they're not shaped perfectly like the watermelons you typically see in a grocery store. And so we kept going to the dive and I said to Dina, we should stop and get a watermelon and uh, take it to the beach with us. So after the dive on our way back, we stopped and we bought a watermelon for us and a watermelon for somebody we were picking up at the airport. And we also bought a couple um, cucumbers. So we ate the cucumbers Hemingway style, just ar, 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 in the car. And that was something that when I first took the first bite and showed it to Dino, he was surprised. He's like, are you just eating that? Like it's an apple? <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm here, have a bite. So we driving down the road, eating these these um, cucumbers like apples. It's another micro adventure, really. really. Stopping at a fruit stand and just buying local fruit is a ton of fun. So the plan was to cut up the watermelon and take it to the beach with us and take this floating cooler that we bought and some noodles and find our way to the beach and float around in the water with our floating cooler and our slices of watermelon and spit the seeds into the sea. That was going to be our micro adventure. And then something came up and I had to work most of Sunday. So that micro adventure is on hold. Although we ate the cucumbers and the watermelon is delicious. And like I said, my life is a series of micro adventures. So <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'll let you know when we make it to this particular beach though. I love that. Will you please take pictures for us? Absolutely. We always take the selfie, Mer. That's true. That <laughs> hashtag always take the selfie. But yeah. you can check it out for us so that when we come visit next, we can decide if it's a good beach to go visit. Yeah, it looks like one of those ones that's really shallow for a long way out. So you can just kind of walk around and then walk pretty far out before you start floating. So we're pretty excited to, to explore it. Yeah, there's another beach. When I said to Dino, I'm kind of sad we didn't get the micro adventure in. He said, like, we did that just a few weekends ago. We explored another beach. We can actually see a beach from our, our um, patio. And we've always wondered about that beach. And so a couple weekends ago, we took off in search of that beach. 
and walked down some trails and found it and floated down into the beach and into the water and it was really fun so oh that's nice how was it tough to get to that beach no it's very easy oh nice so yeah, i it's right by the house you could walk there from my house oh really i don't feel like i can walk anywhere yeah. to your from your house i barely feel like i could walk down to my car when i was parked at the end of the driveway from your house of a mile from our house to the gate. Yeah, it's hot in St. Croix. It is. It is <laughs> and then when you go back, you have to go uphill. Yeah, what the That's hell? That's true. <laughs> that is true. So much work. But when you do it at night, the bats come out and bump into you to eat the bugs off you, so it's awesome. Do they ever bite yeah. you? Because that's the only thing that I kind of worry about is a bat biting me, but I want to put a bat house in my backyard. So I think you I'm going to do that. I think I'm going yeah, to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how do I get bats to move in? Do I like hang little curtains? Do I make it comfy and There's a way to look up random questions. Oh, you shut up. Put up, a, uh, when I... put up a vacancy sign that has a light. So the vacancy <laughs> sign attracts the bugs, mm. which detracts the <gasps> bats. Jess, this is brilliant, actually. I really want you to have a bat house with a vacancy light. (laughs) It says that bats are attracted to water source. So if you live near a natural body of water, Mm. then that will attract them. But if you do not, you could add a bird bath fountain or small pond to your yard and that would help attract the bats. All right, done. Thanks, Tracy. Mm -hmm. We have a creek running behind our house and there are bats that live, um, under the somewhere around everybody's homes here because when you go and sit outside at night you can just see them flying around yeah they're really cool i really rather enjoy seeing bats fly around eating things they're saving me one mosquito bite at a time yeah oh and we have malaria here in the tri-state so (laughs) do you really yeah Yeah. All right. So Tracy, you yes. said that your life is a series of micro adventures. I sort of feel the same way. I, I was thinking this weekend, like everything I do really is an adventure. I mean, sometimes I go to work and I'm like, it's going to be an adventure today. <laughs> <laughs> and Alistair Humphreys, he says several times on, and on his blogs about micro adventures that adventure is just a state of mind so i was wondering if you guys agree with that and why or why not i think i if you can go into anything and everything that you're doing and expect for it to be an adventure and fun and even when it doesn't turn out right you make it a different adventure and you just turn or you like like tc had to do postpone one adventure and i don't know i think if you can keep positive about all of that, then everything can be a micro adventure. I totally agree with that. So I used to be married to somebody, I won't name any names, but I used to be married to somebody who, <laughs> he if he was doing something that he didn't enjoy, I mean, it was fine. It was nice that he would do the thing with me, but he just wouldn't have any fun. And it that I totally felt like that was a state of mind. You had a choice in that moment about whether or not you were going to try to have fun or if you were going to mope all night. And I think it's the same with adventures. Yeah, I do too. I do think it's a state of mind. Um, I feel like I, okay, driving to work in the morning, 
you can drive the same route every day and think about what you're going to do when you get to work and pay no attention to your surroundings. Or you can occasionally choose a different route or stop at a different store for a coffee or I mean, there's any number of ways to make almost everything you do an adventure. It's just, are you open to, ex to letting in a new experience? When I was in Ohio, I totally like just hated the drive to work because it was so long. And of course in Ohio, there's lots of traffic and there's nothing to look at besides cornfields. <laughs> But and accidents I'm, on the highway, yeah, and construction and orange barrels. 74, in case you're wondering, <laughs> is still under construction, guys. Forever, I think it's going to be forever. But then when I moved here, you know, people talk about like, oh, the traffic, and I'm just like, but you have the ocean to look at. Who cares if you're stuck in traffic? And like, oh, it's raining, like, well, yeah, it rains a lot here in Hawaii well at least on Kauai it rains a lot but then like I mean at least twice a month I have rainbows so it's just like I guess yeah you just got to choose your mindset and it's like that's kind of my time now and I really enjoy it like before I get to work and start having to you know like respond to people yelling at me and I can just have my time in the morning to just look at the ocean and the rainbows and certain times of year the whales and just yeah every drive to work can be an adventure if you want it to be it can even even in cincinnati in traffic or on a highway i remember um talking to someone once about the fact that when you're in your car it's like your own mini environment that you control you can make it hot by turning on the heater you can make it cold by turning on the ac if you have ac or a heater in your car which i have neither of right now but you can play music loud or you can pick up your phone and catch up with your friends that you haven't talked to in a little while you can choose a different route and like I said, you could stop at a different coffee shop and get a, a coffee on the way there at a shop that you've never been. I mean, you really can make anything a micro adventure. Listen to an audiobook or a podcast like Siren Soapbox. Oh my God, you guys, Siren Soapbox is a great podcast to listen to in the car. <laughs> Love that you just worked that in. So I'm reading this book right now off topic, but that reminds me. I'm reading this book right now and it's written by um, Amy. I'll look up her last name. I'm going to look it up now because it's important to the story. It's written by Amy something. And in the book, um, one of the characters happened to notice that in somebody's car, she has these, these mystery books on the, um, on the passenger seat. And so just before she leaves, she's like, hey, I heard you like mysteries. You should check out uh, Amy Van Zant. She's great. And then I'm like, wait a minute. She just mentioned herself. Her character mentioned her in a book. And it was just throwing my mind for all of these crazy fatal loops. Like, it was such a funny thing. I've never read a fiction book where someone mentioned themselves in the book. <laughs> Like, well, why that would I give somebody else a shout out when I could give myself a shout out? Exactly. I love this for her. I was thinking about that. So, okay. Yeah. She kind of gave herself a shout out 
in her own book. I'm That's already the thing. reading her book. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be a fan of hers to even get the joke, right? So that's what's kind of fun about it. But it's like, it's not like she's advertising her book because I've already bought the book. I'm reading it. Right. That's what and I'm that's saying. The only way, yeah. It's the only way to know that she mentioned her own name because I'm already reading the book. So it, it was just but such it just a weird shows thing. that she's a so fun I, person. <laughs> she is. And they are fun books. I do recommend them. They're, it's the Pineapple Port series. Um, it's very fun. I've, I have found myself lately on this kick for reading about young people working alongside older people. So like the main character is in her late twenties and everyone, almost everyone else is 55 or older because hmm. they, they live in a 55 and older neighborhood, but some of them are much older. So it's fun though. It's a fun series. Yeah. That's awesome. You should try the pineapple port series. It is on the Kindle thing. It's on, what's it called? Kindle what? Unlimited. Yeah, it's on there. So they're all free. All right, pineapple port. I've written it down. It's funny until you get used to her writing style um, because it almost seems like stream of conscious and she's, she's funny and sarcastic. And so sometimes you're reading it and you're like, what? Why? Why would she even say something like that until you understand that she's ironic and sarcastic in her thoughts? Hmm. So it's fun. I like, I it. like her already. <laughs> <laughs> so circling back to the uh, micro adventures conversation, do you guys have any ideas for your next one? I said what mine is going to be. I think we're going to do an adventure challenge and I'm going to message you mm -hmm. guys and be like, pick a number for me. Oh, I love this. Or you could roll a dice. Yeah, but why would I not involve my sirens when I can involve my sirens? True. That's a good question. <laughs> also, my boyfriend's ex-wife and her new husband are flying to Kauai at the end of September. And Ray, the husband, is a diver, but Amy is not. So I told him that you might be oh. willing to go on a dive with him while he's in Kauai. I am always down for a dive. Signed you up to, for a dive, buddy. Heck yeah, let's do it. That's a micro adventure for you. There we go. In a couple of weeks, uh, Bill and I are going to be going to um, Shaker Village in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, for a little micro adventure to Shaker Town. What's Shaker Village? Shaker Village. Um, it's a village. Uh, I guess. Uh, where it's predominantly shakers that live there. Shakers, I mean, let's have to look it up because I will have to claim uh, some some ignorance, you know. But um, it's a it's it's it is a religious religious community, but they live in a certain way, and there are certain things that they do and have, you know. I guess it's kind of like uh, you know, there's the Amish; they live in a certain way, and then shakers. But I I do claim ignorance as to exactly what it is, but that's why we're going on this micro adventure, right? Gotcha. Find out what it is. Yeah. So like the Amish have like furniture and jams and bread and the shakers may have their own stuff. Yep. Gotcha. Well, that would be fun. It's a, it's a, a landmark destination that shares 3000 acres of discovery in the spirit of the Kentucky shakers. So it's a shaker community. Are you staying inside the community or are you just visiting for the day? No, we're staying. We're actually staying there. 
Bill has, so it's so cool. We have it in our calendar and I can look it up. I just have to find it again. I just lost it. But we are actually staying in a lodge that they have there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We don't really have another micro adventure on this calendar yet. Mark and I are, we are going to be celebrating five years together in September. And we are going to, we're planning an adventure for that, or we will be planning an adventure for that, but we don't really have anything scheduled yet. We thought we were going to do the Pacific Northwest, but that's going to be put on hold for a little bit. I know where you could come. <laughs> that's a good idea. And uh, on our Shaker Village micro-adventure, we're staying in the Farm Deacon Suite, if that gives you any indication as to what type of place we may be staying in. But Whoa. that for us is um, part of the, it's the, I wouldn't say it's the best part because there are a lot of fun parts, but one of the best parts of our micro-adventures is staying somewhere unusual. Like this past weekend, we stayed at a place called Stone Soup Inn. It was a bed and breakfast. I guess they meant that the beds were made of stone and you're getting soup, not breakfast. I don't know. But it was this big old house and they had converted it to a, a B&B. Um, and the rooms were interesting to say the least. The building was very old. Uh, the walls were very thin. The floors creaked, the doors squeaked. And uh, Lisa and her boyfriend stayed in a room that was really cute. It had a bed, it had a, like a little mini kitchen and a little living area, but then they had to climb a ladder to the bedroom. No. Which was uh, interesting and fun, but you know, it's all part of the adventure, right? That right. To find places that aren't just um, your regular, you know, Marriott embassy suites, whatever. Yeah. So I mean, in the past true. six months, I've stayed in two different places where we had to climb a ladder to the bed, not the bedroom, but the actual bed. We stayed in a treehouse in Puerto that. Rico. We stayed in a treehouse in Puerto Rico, and one of it was the most amazing thing. But um, our bed was basically like on a stage upstairs. There were no walls, so there, there was no privacy. There was no chores. But um, we literally had to climb up a ladder to get into the bed. And then I went on a train cruise and my bed was one that like popped up from the wall. So I had to climb a ladder to get up to my bed on that cruise as well. It is on my bucket list to stay in a treehouse. I would prefer to just have my own treehouse in the backyard. Like I would use it as my office or maybe my recording space but I imagine it's kind of loud in a tree. Anyway, um, that's on my bucket list. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really very, very cool. And so we were in, a, in the jungle in, um, in Puerto Rico and I'm pretty sure there were velociraptors all around us. <laughs> oh, yay. I love that. They're not I bet really there were. You know, you know, velociraptors are dinosaurs. I'm just kidding. But the sounds they were making were exactly like velociraptors. So that I mean, cool. I'm pretty sure part of Jurassic Park was filmed in Puerto Rico. So, I mean, there could have been like maybe they left some velociraptors there. I'm telling you, it sounded exactly like them, but it was really cool. And I would 100% do it again. It was really cool. 
Nice. I would love to do that, but I love the idea also of having a tree house in my backyard. Now I don't really have any trees back there. Um, and the one tree that is growing in the backyard, Bill is insisting that we have to cut down because it's too close to the house, but it's the only damn thing that has ever grown tree-like that was anywhere close to something that I feel like I didn't plant it, but I didn't pull that weed up. So there it's growing. But anyway, um, I feel like we need to have an episode. What is he? He's a tree house master or something. <gasps> yes. And he, he uh... yes. And he goes out there and he builds these absolutely amazing tree houses. Yeah. Mark, I think you could make it happen. Yeah. I have a giant oak tree in my backyard that is perfect for a tree house. There's a whole section of tree houses on Airbnb. Mm. So if you want to stay in a tree house, it's like a hundred, hundred bucks a night and an Airbnb click away. That's true. Or um, a an email to Treehouse Masters away. Yeah. <laughs> and we get him on the show and we get him to build Mer a treehouse and we all get to go visit. I think I like this idea Amen. better. Amen. Okay. So Alistair Humphreys has a bunch of ideas on his website for micro adventures. One of the things that I found interesting was he said, put your own spin on the 12 by 12 challenge. For example, visit 12 beaches, visit 12 places that have rude names, visit 12 counties, 12 different friends. What? I feel like we could have fun coming up with a uh, like a stretch challenge for Siren Soapbox for next year. Like, I mean, I, I mean, we would pick something that maybe you could ideally realistically do once a month for the 12 months and then talk about it at the end of the year. That would be fun. We come up with and everybody come fun. up with our own list of 12 because like I probably realistically can't do 12 beaches here in Ohio. Although I could, if we're counting um, quarries and lakes, maybe I could. And well, I mean, I could there's beaches close enough. Tracy, did you just say you could do that tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, see, that's the difference, right? <laughs> we should each come up with our own 12 by 12 so challenge. Here's my 12 by 12 that I could do tomorrow. I live in Boone County, Kentucky. We have Sugar Tit, which is actually the area that I live in. We have Beaverlick. Um, Gosh. So there's, there's, I mean, I could name them. I, I'll come up with it. And uh, so, I'll, 12 places with inappropriate names? Yes. <laughs> That's fun. Big Bone Lick. There's Big Bone Lick. Big Beaver Bone Lick, Lick yeah. Sugar Tit. Uh, and I, you know, these are all legitimate towns, places that have that that proudly display their names on green signs on the highway. So. Brilliant. I love that. Yes. It might so be fun. That, oh, that microadventure will not take me very far. Yeah. I mean, that's like your own backyard, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so one time when I was in Chicago, I had a goal. First of all, I found an article that was like um, the 10 best bars with popcorn in Chicago. And so I, I tried to visit all 10 bars. Um, one of the bars with popcorn was because there is a guest every night at the bar, like one of the people who hangs out at the bar and he brings um, microwave popcorn with him and makes it for everyone every night at the bar. And sure enough, he walked in and made microwave popcorn. That was super fun. That is fun. That's awesome. <laughs>
Is that still called bar popcorn then? It is, yeah. It was it made is, at the bar, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't quite the same, but it counts. It counts. I think it would um, also be fun, maybe visit like 12 of the world's largest things. Like, isn't there somewhere here near us? I think it's the world's largest snowshoe crab or something. Yeah, we did that when we did our Pacific Coast Highway trip. We took pictures of really large things. And That's fun. Like one, yeah, one was, um, there was a large frying pan and there was a large, um, I don't know, all kinds of largest things. That was fun. Well, um, that little segue reminds me that I put together some trivia for you guys for tonight. Some adventure trivia. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a multiple choice. This is my very first question for you. How long is the world's largest hiking boot? Is it 36 inches, 6 feet 9 inches, 19 feet? or 23 feet, five inches? The boot? Yes, it's the world's largest hiking boot. I but swear. I bet that I'm it gonna wasn't buy you. made for someone to buy and wear. I'm gonna buy you guys little well, bells so you can be like ding, 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 ding. Cause I feel like a lot of competition in our future. <laughs> Go ahead, we Jess. We can raise our hand. That's true. Jess, do you have a guess? I'm going with 19. Mm. Anybody else have a different guess? 19 feet. Raise my hand. TC raised her hand. See, that way you can always tell who does it first because that puts them in position. Of yeah. What was the longest one? Uh, 23 feet, five inches. I'm going with that. Ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer. And you are correct, TC. According to this article that I read on Guinness Book of World Records.com, it does not look like it was made for actually hiking. And the specific measurements of the boot are 23 feet, 5 inches long, 8 feet, 2 inches wide, and 13 feet, 9 inches tall. So it, like when we were when we were doing the, the big things on the Pacific Coast Highway trip, there were like huge statues of Paul Bunyan. And so that's why I just figured it was the largest of those choices because he had on hiking boots, every statue. Yeah. All right. You could live in that hiking boot. Yeah, you definitely mm -hmm. could. Yeah. I'll send you guys a link to it in case you want to uh, check it out. It's a two people are on it taking the measurement. All right. Question number two. Where is the longest hiking trail in the world located? Is it Canada, China, the United States, or India? Oh, TC. China. Anybody else have a different guess? India. No. Anybody else have a different guess? There's only two left. I'm going with the U.S. <laughs> You're all wrong. It is Canada. <laughs> So the longest trail in the world, the Great Trail, crosses an incredible 9,266.5 miles from one coast of Canada to the other. And if you hiked 18.6 miles per day, it would take you over two years, two years, two months, and one week, to be exact, to hike that trail. Hmm. Crazy. I don't think I could even hike that much in one day. <laughs> That's a lot of hiking. 
for me. Um, and here's a scientific fact that I found. It is scientifically proven that hiking can make you happier. Research has shown that hiking can positively combat symptoms of stress and anxiety. As Gregory A. Miller, PhD, president of the American Hiking Society says, quote, being in nature is ingrained in our DNA and we sometimes forget that. I know that I always feel a little more at home while I'm uh, in the woods. Me too. All right. When was the first artificial rock climbing wall invented? Was it 1903, 1939, 1964, or 1992? 1939. Oh, you are correct, Sarah. Ding, ding, ding. The first artificial climbing wall, Sherman Rock, is believed to have been built in Seattle in 1939. And the tallest artificial climbing wall is at Base Camp Climbing in Reno, Nevada. That wall tops out at 169 feet, boasting a climbable surface of 164 feet. At one point in my life, I thought it would be fun to be a rock climber. I climbed rocks for a little while. At, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've got pictures. You were like this tiny little thing. I bet you were good at it. You're like short and tiny. I bet rock climbing suited you. I think that when you are long and you have long limbs, it's easier because you can reach and stretch the footholds and handholds. Oh, but that I makes did sense. really love it. That makes sense. So true or false, climbing actually makes your hands bigger. True. Jess, you did not raise your hand. TC. Oh. I'm going to go with true. It's true. <laughs> You're both right. TC wins. <laughs> oh, that was very interesting. Okay, here's another trivia about rock climbing. There are 14 different types of rocks. Oh, I'm sorry. There are 14 different types of rock climbing identified. Which one of these is not one of them? Highballing, deep water soloing, bottom latch, and bouldering. TC. I'm going to go with bouldering because it's just so obvious. Well, you would think, but that is actually a type of rock climbing. Hmm. Anybody else have another guess? All right. Well, the one that I made up is bottom latch. Hmm. There it's are. Not, it sounded quite legit. Yeah, they all sound. The one that I thought was suspicious is deep water soloing, but apparently that's a type of rock climbing. So, okay. So to build. To build trivia onto your trivia, I wondered about diving making you happier because you said hiking does. And it says that diving increases dopamine and serotonin levels. Serotonin is associated with feelings of happiness, which you'll um, experience during and after diving. So yeah. yeah, diving makes you happy too. I imagine that doing any sort of physical activity that you love increases your happiness. I'm mm, sure. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't go around killing their husbands. <laughs> you know, 
I used to run three miles every morning. I did this for about a year of my life and I never liked it. I never reached a point where I enjoyed running or I'd be like, man, I really wish I would have run this morning. Like that never happened to me. Me either, but it did make me very happy when the run was over. I did a mile a day for 30 days after we did the struggle bus runner or struggle runner. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was happy every time I was done running. That was a micro adventure. Yeah. I kind of feel that way about Orange Theory. You know, I go probably about four times a week and I, uh, would love to not be going every time I'm going in. But I have to say that I do have fun while I'm there because I know so many people now. And so we're all waving to each other and high-fiving when, you know, when we're done with a, a routine in there and stuff. And I'm always very happy that I did it when I left. And when I went to Orange Theory in the morning and I'm driving along and I see someone running, I'm like, ha ha, I <laughs> worked out. I already worked out. So I'm not sure if that means I love it or not. <laughs> I did see your post when you were in California about how happy you were to find an orange theory in California. So I think you and, love and it. That's part of the cult slash community, you know, oh my God. You can find one somewhere else and, and go just to say that you went to another one. But um, the reality of it is, is the workout still feels the same. You're kind of dying the whole time and really glad when it's over. Yeah, I um, have been listening to a lot of podcasts and watching a lot of documentaries about cults lately. So, Orange Theory is kind of a cult. Yeah, but I have to say that my, my eyes peeled. I think, <laughs> I think it's um, it's very good for my mental health though, and my physical conditioning. You know, my strength and my endurance is just really, you know, there are a lot of benefits to it. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like it's a micro adventure every time I go in there because I never know what they're going to throw at me. And I, and it's challenging. It is. All right. How many people does the longest tandem bike hold? This is not a multiple choice. I was not creative when the, at the time I created this question. Sara. 16. Mm, not quite. No, all oh, TC. Um, 10. Not quite. Jess, you want to give it a, a good old guessy guess? 13. No, not quite. 35. It held 35 oh. people and it was over 66 feet long. Sara wins if we're playing prices Right rules. Closest without right. going over. <laughs> According to my source, what percentage of Americans have traveled abroad? Again, not a multiple choice. Sara. 15. Anybody else have another guess? Five. 5%? That's really low. Wow. What about you, Jess? You have a guess? Seven. Yeah, not a little higher, but you guys are on the right track. 29%. Only 29% of Americans have uh, traveled abroad. me. Yeah. That's almost, that's almost a third. Yeah, it's a lot. But according to, um, again, according to this article that I read, the average person living in the United Kingdom has visited 10 countries and the average German has visited eight. 
the average French has visited five. And this is like the average every person. But in America, only mm. 29%. So which country well, is the... Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. It is, it is much more difficult in the U.S., when you're in Europe, that's true. It's a train. It's a train ride away. You get on a train, and in an hour, you're in a different country. Yeah, that's the same thing I thought when I was reading this. That's a good point. Yeah, we have two to pick from that are um, accessible by land to the north. And well, the south. yeah, but still, that's the United it. States is huge. Yeah, the United States is huge. So if you live in Florida, Canada is a long way away. It's like 24 hours if you're at the if you're in the Keys. Uh, no, yeah, it's more it's than that. It's, like, it's more like 30 or 35. It's not like in Europe where literally almost any one of those countries you live in, it's, you know, a couple hours on a train and you're in another country. So it's totally different. Yeah, well, Tracy, listen, I didn't claim to be comparing apples to apples. <laughs> <laughs> Which country is the most visited country in the world annually? Is it France, Japan, Spain, or the United States? Sara. U.S. TC, do you have a different guess? What was her guess? The, the U.S. Oh, that was going to be my guess, but I'll go with um, Spain. Okay, well, you're both wrong. France is the most visited country in the world with over 82 million travelers coming to visit each year the united states and spain though their numbers two and three on the list and they both have about 75 million visitors each um okay we have a couple more questions two more left actually no yeah three <laughs> all right this is a true or false question True or false, there are 14 mountains on Earth that are higher than 26,000 feet. True or false? TC. False. Ooh, the answer is true. Oh, sorry. Were you going <laughs> to guess that? I did I win. <laughs> I raised my hand second. <laughs> so that I'll... was smart strategy. <laughs> That's, that's a great strategy. So of those 14 mountains, Mount Everest is the highest of the Himalayan mountains, and it's um, 29,035 feet above sea level, and it's also considered the highest point on Earth. As of 2018, about how many people have successfully summited Mount Everest? Is it 2,300, 5,200, 6,300, or more than 10,000? Is everybody waiting to go second? Like, what's happening? Why does nobody want to answer this trivia question? <laughs> Hard for me to get to the raise hand. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Jess, nice job. I'm going to go with, what was the second choice? 30, 35? No, it was 30. 20, 2,300, 5,200, 6,300, or more than 10,000. I'll go with 52. You would be correct. Fifty two hundred people as of uh, in twenty eighteen when this when this factoid was written. Um, lots of people have died trying to make the climb, and maybe that's a siren song episode. <laughs> Not here. All right, last question. 
of the night, each step you take while running uses about 120 muscles. True or false? Sara. I'm going to say true because it feels like it every single time. <laughs> so I guess that means Tracy wins by default. Um, it is false. <laughs> false. My guess is false. <laughs> Your body actually uses 200 muscles every time you take a step oh, wow. while running. So yeah, you must be really good and comfortable with running, Sara, since you it only feels like 120 for you. Exactly. Well, I'm a pro. What can I say? <laughs> Don't they say smiling uses the most muscles of any thing? I wonder how many muscles you use when you smile. But they cannot have seriously been taking running into consideration. Are you looking it up, TC? <laughs> TC well, says I'm ready saying is you use more muscles when you smile than when you frown maybe I think that's, that's what it is yeah yeah you use 43 muscles when you smile mm. how many when you frown actually wait a minute this article says some claim it takes 43 muscles to frown and 17 to, to smile huh Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It takes more muscles to frown. So if you want to be lazy, oh, smile all the time. I think that's what the saying is. So do we add those frowning muscles on top of the muscles that you're actually using to run? Because that increases the number a lot. Because <laughs> I'm pretty much frowning the whole time I'm running. I bet there are, Sara. Okay. Yeah, I bet there are. Well, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week to go out and have your own micro-adventure. We'll post a link to Alistair Humphrey's website. He has lots of resources to help you if you need ideas. Hopefully, we've helped you come up with some of those ideas as well. Sirens, thank you so much for sharing your micro-adventures this week. This is a lot of fun to record. It's a favorite episode already. <laughs> My new favorite episode. <laughs> And thank you, fellow explorers, for listening to this episode. You can find information about our upcoming episodes on our website, sirensoapbox.com. We've got our latest pre-dive episode up on Patreon. You can become a Patreon for the show for as little as $3 per month. But if a monthly subscription isn't your thing, that's fine. We love that you're spending your time with us. That is an amazing way to support us. So if you could, please leave us a review and rate us so that we can help other explorers find the show too. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.